Welcome back to Ladies with Gumption. We are on Patreon series episode 22, Golden Girls. This is a uh, an episode was personally requested by someone over on Tumblr. And um, we did the first half of this two years ago. Ladies with Gumption episode 47, which was called Thank You for Being a Friend. And so this is our second segment of this wonderful podcast where we talk about the female friendships of the show. But before all of that, we are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. And I am May and I'm here with Tatiana and Jessica. You can always find us on Twitter, where we have been less active, admittedly, (laughs) at DCTV Gumption. Send us your lovely thoughts to email at ladieswgumption at gmail.com. We're over on Tumblr, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com. You can find us always and forever on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, Obviously, if you're listening to this, you are a patron. So thank you so much for contributing and supporting us. Um, We've been doing different types of topical episodes about you know doom patrol and star girl wrap up and um this you know thank you for being a friend part two um and we will have plenty more upcoming uh series like umbrella academy which is happening in a few weeks Um, next week (laughs) next week there you go well the second season is coming out in two weeks yes um and we will recap season one recap season one yes exactly so thank you so much for contributing um in the news, we have Grant Augustin, who posted a photo of Naya Rivera after her very tragic death and um, kind of like talking about how kind she was to him on set and how intimidated he was by her talent, but that she was always like so welcoming of him. And everyone who posted about her, you know, pretty much said that she was a force to be reckoned with and was so talented and giving and wonderful. Um, yeah. So it was really sad to hear that especially on like Corey Monteith's seventh anniversary following his death so yeah it's kind of it's really like a a shock when you know the first started that she had disappeared and to me it was like no yeah (laughs) right (laughs) it's like one of those times you just want to argue with God like no this is not like correct like undo this rewind or you know it's kind and it's kind of like for it's almost also almost like a year after Cameron Boyce died. And that was also like a, like, I, it does not compute what is, what is happening kind of thing. Right, so right. just like a reminder, I guess that, you know, life just does not discriminate. I, that sound like really like weird for quoting Hamilton, but like, yeah, death doesn't discriminate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, to, like, nature... like, life is precious, life is fleeting. Right. All these things that we need to remember. Yeah. But it was, it was, um, you know, everyone was kind of reliving some of her greatest uh, mm-hmm. performances. And one of those was, you know, one that she did do with Grant, which is Move Criminal, which a lot of people consider like one of her top performances. Yeah. So, um, it was nice to hear him share his feelings on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in less um, sad news, we have Noah Centineo, uh, who has been well, cast. That's a different kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, depends if you're a fan of him or not. Really <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> he was cast alongside The Rock in the Black Adam movie. Um, I, I think he's playing Adam he's playing Smasher. Smasher. Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher. Yes. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess the role it is surprising. Like I don't 
dislike him. Like, I think he was very charming in um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, the first one. And, <laughs> and he could be good, but, like, I... I don't know. I kind of just feel meh about the casting. What do you ladies right. think? I, I wasn't expecting someone like Noah Centineo to be Adam Smasher, but I'm not, you know, I don't have like, I don't dislike him. I just, I'm not impressed by him, but, but I'm also not like, I don't need a, you know, Tony award winning <laughs> Lawrence Olivier uh, <laughs> playing Adam Smasher. So it's fine, you know? It's just yeah, like, I would agree. It's kind of like a like I'm not like a I don't like dislike him, but I also feel like you see him a lot. Yeah. In stuff that doesn't really Matter. pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think. Yeah, I think for a while too, he was definitely overexposed and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and for things that weren't even great movies so <laughs> right, right. But his his pr team is very good he's got so, yeah he's got a yeah. good team behind him <laughs> um sure. it's not newsy news but some i mean someone was posting like rumors about uh an iris west shortlist for the flash movie and yes. um there was um Jafisia leslie was on the list which we know that it's not going to happen because she's now batwoman um and Aisha D, who's on the bold type, which I think she's great and she's a great actress, so I would be thrilled about that. And there was like a few other people, um, one of whom was Alexandra Ship, which we do not want. We do not, we do not want. <laughs> I don't think. Really but she I, has a good team. Yeah. But I don't know why people try to like book her for a diversity hire when the target audience they'd be trying to get with her don't like her. Don't like her <laughs> right. exactly. It's because yeah. they're like even when you're trying to be connected, you're still super disconnected. You know, like those executives and stuff, the people behind that, they they, they think they have something in mind. It's like, oh, I got it, and it's still like, you no, know, you're like five years behind where you need to be, <laughs> right. actually. Um, but I I was glad to see that it does look like they're keeping Iris Black, even if we're not getting Kiersey for whatever reason. So, I'm 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 happy about that. I do, you know, I'm like Kiki Palmer's right there, but yeah, okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think it would be oh, well. interesting too to like go through, I guess, audition tapes for people who audition for for like black actresses who audition for Iris for the show, mm-hmm. and then just kind of there's like... your short list right there. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, so, exactly, you know? exactly. Except for except for of course, Shara Renee. Throw yes. that one out. Of course, yeah, throw that away. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to do that one again. <laughs> um, moving oh, into before we get back to feedback. Um, uh-huh. One other thing that I wanted to bring up, Angelica Washington, who plays Beth on um, Stargirl, she recently had an Instagram post, and I guess this is also like Aisha D from The Bold Type, and she also kind of like um, revealed some truths, but um, Angelica posted a photo of her with her stunt double on one of her earlier roles, and it is a white woman in blackface. And, you know, she's, and even though she's smiling in the picture, she's said in the post about how um, she saw this woman and she's like, mm, that's not right. That makes me uncomfortable. And she tried to talk to production about it. And production had all these like bullshit excuses about, you know, there's no black stunt people in LA, which is like a bold faced lie. And honestly, if there's no blacks, if there's like a limited amount of black people that do stunts in LA, then the response should be to, 
have more certification courses for black people to become stunt people in LA. So, you know, like it's just a bullshit excuse, number one. And then number two, they were also kind of gaslighting her into you should just be happy to be here, um, kind of rhetoric. And it made her question, you know, did did I seem ungrateful and, you know, built up all these kind of like insecurities um, that she had about herself and asking for something that should have been a given because they hired a black actress. Um, and it, you know, again, it just echoes like a lot, what a lot of these women have been saying coming out in stories about their experiences. Um, May, do you watch The Bold Type? Because I, I just know I that whatever storyline they're doing was like whack and... Yeah, and I did, okay. Um, so I, I did watch The Bold Type around, yeah, seasons one and two. I don't know if I finished season two because it was dragging a little bit, but you could sort of tell that the writing was trying to be, you know, bold, um, obviously, <laughs> but that the writing for Kat specifically, sometimes you can, you could tell that there was like no black people in the writing room. Um, but with this storyline specifically that she was mentioning, now they have like, I think a couple of um, black talents in there in the writing room and like hair people too to do her hair up after season three. But in season four, they did a storyline for her that involved um, a woman who was ultra conservative and whose father Kat outed as a pro-conversion therapy, super Republican type. Um, and then they had her like the the final episode so when she posted, it was like the day before the finale. Um, and in that episode, they like they sleep together. But then the episode ending was apparently supposed to include um, like them texting each other and kind of leaving the door open for the relationship. But at the last minute, Freeform pulled the screeners from the site and edited it so that what? they changed the text so that basically she's like, we can't really do this anymore because it's too complicated and they're too different. Like in terms of views. And so, uh, 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 okay. so they okay. changed that last minute. Um, and I think it was because uh, she posted about it, like how kind of uncomfortable she was with the fact that her character is so outspoken about really important right, issues. Would be willing to, right, right. to be with someone who's clearly like uh, super conservative and doesn't sh- share those views. Um, so they changed it. And yeah and then all her co-stars back to too which was great yeah well, like i saw like, a lot of it. and i what well, i probably changed it because she posted it on i think a lot of people even like fans that i was seeing just on twitter were talking about how she's kind of like out of character and you know weren't happy about the storyline and um i just like i started the bold type i never finished season one i just i saw the beginning um and that was that's the season where Kat had the relationship with the um Muslim woman Mm -hmm. the photographer so I remember like that and then to go from that memory to seeing what people are talking about with her character now it does seem like it's like two different people (laughs) yeah 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 very much so and when I read that too I was like this doesn't sound like her she's very like, she takes down people, she speaks her mind, you know, like, I can't believe that they would think to put her with someone who's like that, but, you know, right. yeah. at least 
like she said, she spoke to the to the writers, and hopefully that means like actual better changes moving forward because you know she's she's in a position now at least like four seasons later where hopefully she can be more comfortable talking about yeah those things that make her right. feel bad and that's it's kind of like the thing like it took candace you know i i don't think she really started speaking of like uh conventions and stuff until maybe season five or late season four yeah so it's taken like these women like four or five years to finally get their footing you know and mm-hmm. being in these spaces when it should have been made more comfortable, especially like when you're hiring, when you want to say that you are hiring diverse people, give me my cookies, give me my awards for being a good ally or whatever I hire, right. you know, do the work behind the scenes to make it feel authentic and have mm-hmm. these, give these ladies space in season one, not like down the road in season four and season five when they built up a fan base and now you kind of have to listen to them or their fans are going to come for you kind of thing. I do like that Angelica in her post said that, you know, now she, she feels more confident in her voice and um, not letting comments like the one that was made by that production person years ago affect herself and how she feels about her self-worth. Um, but it's just like crazy that someone would think that a white woman in blackface would be acceptable. And it's kind of like, you know, she said they wound up not having to use a stunt double because Angelica made sure that she could do all her stunts. So mm-hmm. she wouldn't have to be like, I allowed this white woman in blackface to play me for a second, you know, and she shouldn't have to have been in that position. Yeah. It just reminds me too, like when they. It was like a few years ago when someone leaked that Disney was having actors in brown face for the Aladdin movie. And everyone's like, what? I'm like, I mean, it's it's sad that it's not surprising because Hollywood continues to do this. But I'm glad that people are finally like calling it out more, um, Mm -hmm. even though I feel like they need to like have outsiders be around too to kind of like make these policies and actually have someone ensure that they don't do these things ever again like it's super frustrating it's just just like the the whole gatekeeping saying that oh we have to do it this way because there's not enough blah 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 blah. well then hold training courses and certificates for minorities to get into this thing because you you need them if you're going to hire more people of color then you need more people of color in those spaces, in hair and makeup and stunt teamwork, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you say you're going to change on the outside, you also have to change on the inside. Exactly. Exactly. Feedback. Yes. So we have Shang, who I'm so sorry, Shang. I think we just kind of skipped over your we forgot. first one. <laughs> and yeah, because we send them so far in advance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we we apologize. So there was one from the twenty fourth. Let's see. Um, it's about Star Girl. Um, he says I actually enjoyed the Star Girls pilot. I enjoyed um that isn't I enjoyed a pilot that isn't full of angst. <laughs> I did in fact continue watching straight away till episode six because of um uh because of dumbass but pure hearted teenagers. Who am I? The first minute already had CGI that was definitely not on CW budget, so I carried on watching. I would have started this show sooner if someone had told me they played Mbop in episode one. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, relatively decent pilot. It was intriguing enough for me to continue watching. My fave is Yolanda. She's so cute. Um, but I want to keep all of them in, in my pocket. Protect them. El Mariah Shang. And then he sent us an updated Stargirl feedback. He says, hey there, lovely ladies. The audacity of y'all making me feel guilty that I didn't send feedback. Sorry. <laughs> Fave pairing so far, Sportsmaster and Tigers. Legend shit right there. The way that they would literally kill for their daughter. Whacked boss energy. They're literally a jock uh, and teen, and sorry, jock and tiger mom pairing. It's so funny. Icicle Jr. and Courtney are really cute though, but I try not to full throttle ship characters under 18. <laughs> The new JSA, Pat being the pure of heart dad to the four kids. Ugh, my heart. I didn't like him at first, but he really grew on me quite a bit. Though definitely I still love the four kids more. I love how the group dynamic just works because of their different views. Courtney being an idealist. Yolanda is a realist. Rick's a pessimist. And Beth the optimist. They are all my children. We must protect them. I like that, you know, because that that makes like a lot of... It's accurate. I'll just say that. Yeah, for sure. All right. And then we have Suara who sent in general feedback about the collision of horseman opinions a few weeks ago from podcasts (laughs) that shall not be named. (laughs) Um, I just like to vent some thoughts. One of the reasons y'all are one of my favorite podcasts, even beyond DCTV is because you always call out the shows, the network and the fandom on their racist, sexist, homophobic and other bigoted bullshit, especially, especially now that is the most important thing to do. While some other DCTV podcasts are burgeoning to do better at this, it really feels like most of them are still focusing on not rocking the boat. When this is the time to talk openly about what the racism and anti-blackness that has been prevalent in the CW and CW and fandom, and even with Candace McCod, Ozzy, Vanessa, Nafisa, Tala, and other black and uh, people of color actors being vocal about the racism in their workspaces, some co- some podcasts just seem so hesitant to call it out or even acknowledge it. It's so frustrating that some won't talk openly enough, either on their podcast or on their socials about these issues. I don't mean to call anyone out specifically, but rather to call out this mentality of pretending things are just fine, even with all of this going on. So I ask you, amazing ladies, what can we do more of to get more people to rock the boat and acknowledge and talk more about these systemic inequities and anti-blackness? How can we encourage our fellow podcasters and writers that it is, in fact, good and productive to talk about these things more openly. Uh, we cannot in 2020 be preoccupied with what fans who don't want to hear these conversations, ra- i.e. racist fans, and hold ourselves back. Overall, what is holding people back, in our view, from being just the slightest bit more courageous? Jessica? Well, I mean, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> we. I feel like we're not that popular because we don't <laughs> hold back and we talk too much. <laughs> To be honest, I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of, you know, podcasts, you know, if you want to be, have like a, a bigger reach or whatever, a lot of them hold back or they only talk about the controversial opinions that are accepted in fandom. Or if you want like attention from the show or the writers on the show, then you're not going to talk about how this character sucks because they're not written <laughs> the way that so and so should be written, or you know this is problematic. They're not going <laughs> to. I feel like people won't follow you if you're like being critical of the show. So I think like a lot of people um, opt for fame or clout over actually digging into something and and exposing like why this is not correct and we shouldn't be you know 
accepting of that or they they wait until it's the tide is turned and it's acceptable to stick up for a minority character because like a lot of the times the acceptable things to hate on often default to either a woman or a minority character so you know I don't really know like you have to be I'd say you have to be willing to like lose some people because the people that you have you have to you know think about do you want an audience that you would like to be around or in real life or do you want just the clout of having like a lot of numbers and that includes a lot of um racist people in that fandom and people that you know would I guess it's kind of like the same way you think about like white allyship and do you how to be a good ally if you're just like oh I'm not racist so I'm okay then that's not right yeah that's not enough yeah yeah I definitely agree about the people not wanting to rock the boat in terms of like wanting to maintain their relationship with the creatives and the talent from of the show that they yeah. love but and also, while, like, like they don't pay you <laughs> right ex- exactly so that's my thing this is what's always frustrated me because i think a lot of people you know a lot of especially like in media people always talk about like wanting for example like writers who are super passionate about the things that they're talking about and while i agree with that there's also a fine line between being a fan like where you think everything is just good and fine and okay because you don't want to like you want to gain the favor of people um who do the things that you love to consume versus actually taking something in analyzing it seeing its problems and seeing it for what it is right um, and actually standing up for what you think yeah, is exactly you know, right. i think that a lot An of issue. people even like journalists i know like want to be friends with you know, people in the business, yeah. like as if the closer they are to fame, the better they are in terms of connections and connections and, and whatever. But like you said, they don't pay them to be their, you know, PR people. <laughs> Basically, that's what right. yeah. people are. They for. have PR people. For <laughs> yeah. So and it's really hard because like you said, you have to be willing to drop the people who you cater to like at this point now especially at this stage because we've been talking about these things for several years which you know um but you know especially now um with the global conversation the fact that to me like people who don't who still don't want to rock the boat are you know are the ones who are unwilling to really take a hard look at themselves and yeah you know if it makes i mean i think that like if it makes you uncomfortable in your personal sphere with no one else, you know, judging your opinion, if you feel like it's uncomfortable, you not speaking out on that just exact, because like writers would be like, oh, they're cool with this. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, like if you have like a, a, um, a black female character that you like, and this is just me because I'm black, but if I have a black female character that I like and I see that she's being mistreated and that makes me feel uncomfortable but I don't want to upset the creative gods lest the show get cancelled then I'm just saying I'm fine with the way that you I'm just gonna have to like hold on to it and and just like deal with it and you you don't you kind of lose your passion for the show because it just continues 
but like I would say, I mean, like the for the the the, the short answer, I guess in a way is like what's holding people back versus like what can we do is like if you're someone with a strong opinion about it, um, then start your own platform on it, right? You start writing about it, start talking yeah. about it. Like we even started this podcast literally because we were like we're not hearing enough about <laughs> this side of things, right? Yeah. Um. And that's even why I started writing at all, like in, in terms of entertainment journalism. And May obviously uses her platform uh, very skillfully to <laughs> to call things out. Um, so yeah, so start writing and eventually you might actually find yourself being one of the people that others are going to look to to say those things. Or, you know, at or if not, at the very least, if the journalists who are in those positions see enough people talking about it, they'll start they will talk about it too. Yes. Yeah, because they want to be in on the... Right now, you are, like, the niche. And so, you know, we talk about things that we haven't seen, and that strikes a chord with people that, you know, secretly felt the same way, and now you have an outlet to be like, yeah, that is what I feel. And then it kind of, like, grows from there. So. Yeah. Yeah. They have to be willing to dip their toes in first. So, Mm -hmm. hopefully... People will. <laughs> um, so thank you for all of the feedback. I hope I hope you answered questions. And you know, again, apologies to Chang. <laughs> we will be better. <laughs> um, our format for this episode is again uh, an, a non a non on Tumblr requested that we revisit this topic of grading each show on the like how they portray female characters and their friendships with each other. Or, you know, their familial relationships with each other in some instances. Talk about what's working, what's not working, what we'd like to see. Um, and again, this is Thank You for Being a Friend Part 2, which is the theme song for Golden Girls. So Yes, you see where this is going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so on side A, we have Supergirl, Batwoman, and Black Lightning. And on side B, we have the Flash, Stargirl, Legends. And to take it away is the lovely and beautiful Jessica for side A. Yay! Thank you for being a friend. Okay, so starting off on Supergirl, um, Supergirl had, I think, uh, quite a rough season this season in terms of female friendships. Um, the last time we did this, two years ago, so I think it was season three of Supergirl, we gave um, it a B um, for how they treated their female relationships Um what did I write? I wrote it in L for ladies being friends and supporting each other on everything from love and careers to saving each other when in need. <laughs> That's so sweet. So, Good old days. That, that was season three, but now in season five, it's not quite the same story. Um, I gave it like a, a, I would say a C minus or a D plus or rated in for non-existent. So um, the, the female <laughs> friendships, in relationships to talk about in this show you have relationship obviously between Kara and Alex's sisters Kara and Lena's friendship was the plot the season plot um Kara and Nia's friendship Alex and Kelly um the submarine ship Lena and Eve and then like a split second of Nia and Kelly even so there's a lot of women that are interrelated to each other within the show but how how do we view what Supergirl has done with those relationships in season five. I feel like it's, it's hard because I totally, I mean, I totally agree with what you said that like they've got, it's, it's basically disappeared. And yet at the same time, the season was built around the friendship or lack thereof um, of Kara and Lena. So you'd think mm-hmm. that there would be um, a lot more focus on that. And yet it's like, despite the plot 
being there and like basically writing itself, they kind of chose to veer away from it more often than not. And also didn't, um, what would be the word? They didn't uh, extrapolate or they didn't take advantage of this broken friendship to then highlight other friendships, right? They started right. a little bit. There was like a little bit of like Lena and um, Aleja. Oh, I forgot her. I always want to call her Alejandra. What is Julia? her name? I'm... No, Jul- no, no, no. That's, that's her. That's her actress. That's the actress's name. name. See, Andrea. 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 Okay. Okay. Andrea. See. See? I forgot Lena and Andrea. Yeah. So they started off with Lena and Andrea, um, and they did a great job. I thought of highlighting like how that was the seed that then broke. You know. Lena's trust so that when it was repeated with Kara, she couldn't, you know, find her way back or whatever. That was great. And then they just like dropped it. That was like the end of Lena and Andrea. And also, you know, we didn't really circle back to Lena and Kara after that one episode of the rewriting of Supercore History. So, um, <laughs> so it, they, they kind of like fell into their own, I don't know, plot hole or trap or whatever you want to call it. Like they, they set it up for it to be a season about friendship. And then they just kind of like let it wither away. And you mentioned Alex and Kelly, which we've previously discussed on the romantic side, that they're very solid ship. They're very supportive and wonderful and beautiful tropical fishes, but we rarely see them, right? They get like two minutes of screen time an episode. And if you compare that to season three, when we last talked about it, where they would have like the ladies gathered together, including Samantha, right? Samantha would be part of that. Like we see her being welcomed in the fold and we have like, actual plots about the different ties of their friendships mm-hmm. you know how that brings samantha in how um alex and Kara get to know her etc um, and instead here it'll be like one scene every five episodes where they're like playing bingo or something and kelly's like hey nia how you feeling about your breakup and nia's like Meh. and then i was like okay moving on no more no more you won't friendship talk <laughs> um so while the friendships are there and everyone we assume is like supportive and loving and wonderful. Uh, we don't really get to jump off of that, like get Did into we the dive. Ever establish that. that Kelly actually knows that Kara is Supergirl? I don't I feel think like they she... include her like she does, but I don't think yeah. it's been established. That I don't she does. feel like we saw the scene where she found out. I think that it's literally just we assume she knows, and she knows Nia is you know just 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 in on it, even though we never saw that because much like much of Kelly and Alex's relationship, we just did not see it. Oh yeah, if I'm, you know, if she figures James is guardian and then he hangs out with these people and they're like, hmm, let's, let's do the math. Right? <laughs> I would like to see that math on screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'd imagine like her reactions to like her girlfriend's sister being Supergirl and, you know, like all these people that James is around are superheroes would be like, you know, surprising. Like, oh my God. But yeah. But yeah, so there was a couple of episodes I thought that were great at highlighting it. Like the episode, the VR episode was great at highlighting Alex and Kelly, of course. And I think they even roped Kara into the helping side of it, which is good. Um, and the episode I already just discussed, the Supercore History episode, was great for both Lena and Kara and for uh, Lena and Andrea. Also, the the premiere was, was like a, you know, off to a rocky start, but it was a great highlight. Um, but... Overall, like over the course of the episode, maybe maybe the Nia episode that was good. Kara was very supportive of Nia in that episode, um, and then the other half of the episode, and Nia had good support with her roommate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't remember her name, but the roommate was great, um, and and that was also showing us, you know, like 
that they, that there can be other like ex- even if they're extraneous characters that they can be fleshed out. I don't think we saw life. her after. No, we saw her right after the breakup with Brainy. Right. Like, you okay? And then yeah, that and episode. then we didn't see her again until this episode. But at least like when you know the time came for the spotlight on Nia, she had a support system. But either way, it's like there. It's spotty. So yes, like, they have they have the framework for it, and they didn't utilize it this season. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think especially in terms of, like you said, they set it up to be about Lena and Kara's friendship, but then we, like when they were interacting, they were always angry with each other, and then they spent several episodes not interacting, both off on their own little adventures. Um, so I feel like they really dropped the ball in terms of making it like building it up to the point where it was super impactful. And by the time they did reconcile, it was like the end of the season anyway. And we didn't really get to see them building back up to where they were in the past. Um, Like, I feel like it was a cop out to even see some of their greatest hits because then it's like, Oh, well we didn't like, I wish we had gotten to see this in season five itself. Like we didn't have to go back to season two and three to get Mm -hmm. that story. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really disappointing um but when you know like the moments where lena did stand up for andrea and cara in those episodes or when cara finally like came around like we had really strong moments of their friendship but we just didn't have enough of it and then in terms of like cara and dania that is even more disappointing because they set it up in the beginning where cara seemed like she was going to spend more time at catco and then just didn't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they gave all her stuff a little bit to William. So William interacted with Nia a little bit more than Kara with Nia at work. Right. And we barely saw Nia in general. Yeah, we didn't um, even get as much of Nia as Dreamer as we could have. Because there could yeah. have been more Supergirl mm-hmm. Dreamer interaction. But Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So like we could have gotten more of that friendship at CatCo. Like what are these two women journalists doing there, you know? So I don't know. That was just disappointing. Um, obviously Alex and Kelly. But again... We like who pointed it out that they only had like so many so many minutes of nine screen, minutes time. screen time, nine yeah. minutes of screen time for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, so it really like how can you develop properly develop a ship if you're only going to give them so much time to interact and talk about anything um, at all? So again, there they dropped the ball, and then um, there was like that one episode where we had an instance of Kelly and Nia like in yes. the bathroom together. Yes. Um, and that was like, oh, okay, you know. It, it was like are they, start, there's I think like Nia, not Nia, but Kelly had like some kind of PTSD moment and Nia was like, are you okay? And then they dropped oh, yeah. Kelly's yeah, PTSD they and Nia and Kelly's friendship. <laughs> yeah, so and I was like, okay, this is great. You know, maybe we have something here. Maybe they're building off of Ozzy and, and Nicole's friendship in real life and we're going to get that on screen, which would be amazing. And nothing. It disappeared like everything else. So, so many great potential moments to have in terms of like building upon these female friendships over the course of a season. And I don't think we really got as much as they were promising to give in the, like the first few episodes. Yeah. I, yeah, especially for me, I think because the whole point of season five was built off of um, the destruction or like the, the disentanglement of Supercore <laughs> and Kara and Lena's friendship, I do feel like I don't like that it was just so like one-sided for 
three quarters of the season and then flipped to the other side, there wasn't a lot of tension. There wasn't a lot of like push and pull. It was just like Kara begging, 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 and Lena not receiving until like the final two episodes when like Lena's begging, 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 and then all of a sudden Kara's like, I don't want to hear it. And I feel like I'll, I'll probably talk about this in, in Batwoman a lot more, but I mean, that, even though they're on opposite ends of the moral spectrum, even with like, um, Kate and Alice, they are enemies, but there's still that push and pull, that tension that keeps it interesting. That shows you that even though they're not on the same side, there's still complicated feelings and love there <clears throat> because they were twins. And I feel like that's something I don't know if I don't know if Supergirl writers they seem like allergic to any inkling of Kara and Lena being intimately related. And I don't know if that was too much for them or whatever. And I don't particularly stand the that as like a romantic pairing or whatever. But I feel like there should be more there should have been more there. If their friendship was that catastrophic for Lena to lose, I feel like there should have been more of like a push and pull tension between them that um I don't really think that we got like a lot of it was just very like lopsided to one side or the other. Um, and then like, like Tati said, if you are going to highlight the um, disentanglement of this friendship, it would have been nice to have um, counterbalanced that with some of the other friendships, like with Lena and Andrea um, to highlight what she thought that she was missing from Kara um, and seeing that she could re- rebuild a friendship again it would have been nice to see Kara interacting more with, like, Nia, like you said, May. Um, just more kind of, you know, they had these, like, bright spots where I liked when Nia had her breakup and all the girls arranged, like, a girls-only game night to see how she was doing um, and things like that. The little split second of Nia and Kelly having uh, interaction. But then those don't really go anywhere and if they do feel when you compare it to season three and samantha everything that she was going through and how the girls all seem to kind of like converge on her storyline and like surround her like a little nucleus family it didn't doesn't feel that same way in season five um right and i don't know if that's because Kara and Lena split that and then you don't even see like there's no like taking sides <laughs> which actually would have been interesting if they had done that yeah but... They didn't do that, so... And then Alex and Kelly, like you guys said, it's just, like, they are a very stable ship, but they're stable because we don't see them. The only times we see them is when they are on solid ground, and, like, I think the one issue they had was just based off of Alex lashing out because her dad died. Um, But there's no... You know, we... The first... The previous season was all about Alex... um, and her devastation from the failed adoption. Um, but none of those, that story didn't really care over in the season five. Ne- um, Kelly's PTSD, we see like instances of her feeling um, scared for Alex, who is rushing headfirst into danger, which has always been like an Alex character flaw. Um, but we don't really see them work through that. And then in the end, Kelly's like, yeah, you should be a hero. Like, you should be a hero. Put on superhero. Like she's like enabling Alex's superhero 
syndrome. So it's like, well, where, what happened to the PTSD and how you feel about it? There wasn't really kind of a conversation about it. Um, Lena got Eve back. Um, but again, it, you know, Lena and Andrea, Lena and Eve, they didn't really do much to highlight the difference between her relationship with them and her relationship with Kara. So, um, and there was also very little uh, Alex and Kara, too, actually. Now that yeah. There wasn't as much of Alex and Kara either. No, there wasn't. Which I feel like is a problem often. But last season, they actually made a plot point of that with um, Alex's memories of Supergirl, right? So they played into it more. So overall, do we agree with my assessment of C minus D plus? Do you want to give it something else? No, What's your? No, I think that's about f- that's fair. Like it definitely, I think it passes. LOL, because that was the plot. <laughs> but there was like bare minimalism, and just like, oh, this is a new art form. As little <laughs> as possible. Yeah, I feel like more more of the girls, um, kind of got like paired with like guy plots. Like Lena had to be chained to Lex. Um, Nia's chained to Brainy and whatever's going on with him and that kind of like they weren't <laughs> car and whatever's going on with William that they do <laughs> or don't want to do um, so they're just kind of like getting like pulled into different plots and then like having it focus that outward instead of like on the actual women in the show so I think for season six, it would definitely be nice to, like, if now that Lena and Kara, since that was the whole point of the season five, now that they've made up, you know, they can actually take the time to genuinely get back their friendship versus act like nothing happened. And I think that would be yeah. a nice opportunity if that happened. I would like, I mean, I would, you know, they need to do that, but I would also like to see more of the cross pairings between the other ladies mm-hmm. like me and Kelly or you know absolutely yeah um okay so that's that on that moving into Batwoman um Batwoman it was his first season um like Supergirl it is a heroine led series which you would think would mean that a lot of relationships center around the heroine a um, lot of opportunities for female friendships to flourish or do whatever they're going to do. Um, it was a little bit complicated for me. I gave it a B uh, just because there are female friendships and they are central and complicated to the plot. The backbone of season one was built on a relationship between women, particularly in relation to Kate. Um, so you have like really strong um, relationship stories with Kate and Alice, Kate and Mary. Um, Kate, Mary, Alice, that little triangle. You have Kate and Sophie. You have uh, Sophie and Mary, Alice and Mary. Um, those contrasting dynamics. Um, later on, we get Julia into the mix. So you have Julia and Kate versus Julia and Sophie and Julia, Kate and Sophie. So all kinds of like triangles and interconnected dynamics between the women on the show. Um and then I also, I guess you can add, since she was in the first half, the relationship between Catherine and Mary Hamilton, uh, mother-daughter oh, relationship. Um, so <laughs> lots of women on this show, lots of very interesting relationships. Um, uh-huh. I could say rated T for toxic. <laughs> because That's true. They're mostly toxic. 
most of these relationships are not like um, the most emotionally healthy. Um, but what do you ladies think about the way that women are developed on Batwoman season one? I mean, definitely toxic. Um, I feel like your your the B rating you wrote in there is biasing me downward. So I'm gonna say because I, I feel like this is probably like the best one, unless maybe you know well, I mean, yeah. there'll be one more that maybe will beat yeah. it. But yeah. um, but but because it was the complete season and literally like you said, every relationship centers around Kate, and the majority of those relationships are with women. I feel like it's you know, it's rare to find as many female centered relationships in one show as in Batwoman as certainly in uh, Arrowverse so the fact that the cornerstone of the show was Kate and Alice um and it was very it was a very complicated dynamic um and that even if Jacob was a part of it it really was like mostly between the two of them you know um and I think that there is no doubt that like Kate is like the most important person to Alice even if it's messed up the way that she is um also mary you know being being jealous (laughs) of kate and alice and wanting to be the like the the good sister it was like interesting to see this kind of push and pull between the women that doesn't have anything to do with romantic relationships also right it wasn't there wasn't it wasn't really a love triangle it was like a sister triangle um (laughs) so that was really interesting and then Kate and Sophie, even like, and Batwoman and Sophie, right? Just Sophie interacting with all versions of Kate obviously was romantic, but at the same time, we did get moments of them just needing to lean on each other or needing to talk something out, right? Needing to work on something outside of their relationship. Um, and the fact that they didn't have to, more so in the first half, because in the second half, they did kind of like shove Sophie <laughs> out of the way when Julia showed up. Um, but, um, they they still um, didn't just, like, alienate each other totally when they weren't going to move forward in the relationship. They did have to deal with each other in one way or another. Um, also, when Real Beth came, uh, that episode mm-hmm. was, like, the most adorable friendship with Mary and with, and with Kate. And I'm so sad we didn't get more of it. But again, it just shows that there's, like, always a baseline, I guess, for... For women to support each other, right? They could have easily been like, oh, you're not the real Beth slash Alice. I would rather just hate the real Alice and try to kill her than be nice to you. So there is that. Um, As for Catherine, I feel like Catherine and Mary did not get indirect as much as they should have when Catherine was alive. Um, And also Catherine and Kate, because I think that would have been a really interesting dynamic to explore more of because that was your mom for like a decade. I don't remember how long. But it was a long time. <laughs> yeah, it has to be at least like a decade. Yeah. So so that's like points are docked for that one. <laughs> um but um but they did they did have a lot of women to choose from and for the most part I think um yeah I mean like there's only like two dudes and their most of their interactions are with women, right? There's not like there's no dude there's no dude dude relationship. There's no dude on dude <laughs> You don't need friendship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so for the most part, it was just like women interacting with each other or reacting to each other. Um, and Julia, you know, when Julia moved from that one random kiss with Kate to uh, flirting with <laughs> Sophie, she was still very much supportive, like like attempting to be friends and supportive of Kate and of Sophie. And there wasn't really like even when Kate was feeling 
you know, jealous herself. She didn't start a, a cat fight. <laughs> she didn't, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any of the usual, like, love triangle jealousy shenanigans. So it does, I guess, speak to women, for the most part, being emotionally mature, unless they're Alice, because <laughs> she does not have that capability, and it's okay, Alice, we still love you. I don't remember who, oh, right, Parker. I was like, who is Parker? Um, <laughs> but yeah, in that episode when Parker showed up, that was also another, you know, we get to see a younger woman, you know, a young girl who looks up to Kate, who wants to be like Kate, or wants to be like that woman. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Lots of good, lots of good things. The only bad thing I think I still like Getting rid of Catherine so early, not maximizing her relationships, and also and her her business because I feel like yeah. Hamilton technology should be a bigger yeah. issue, especially right. with the president dead mm-hmm. or the founder dead. And she put Jacob's family on the map clearly. Yeah, so and she admitted like on like live TV or whatever. true. They just they yeah, just ignored it after that. They, they just ignored like, it after that. On like the whole Jacob possibly killed her, and not the fact that. You know, she was the corruption part of it. You know, now that she's dead, who is control of all of this, like, expensive, (laughs) dangerous technology? Yeah, this is is true. Is it the husband that you assumed killed her? (laughs) How is that right? (laughs) Yeah, so they definitely dropped the ball on that aspect of it. And then now, of course, it's kind of tainted because we don't know what's going on at all next season. So we can only hope that we're going to continue to have the same vein of female interactions so i will just say i think it's like b plus a minus maybe because i feel like for the most part it was yeah it was doing what it had to do so and then you know there's just a couple sore spots so there you go yeah i I agree with that i think i'm gonna start with uh, parker and um in terms of kate's relationship with her because thinking back on batwoman season one it did everything Supergirl season one was supposed to do in building, you know, relationships and being like this inspiring figure. And like, we actually got to see Kate being inspiring to someone on screen and not just like, Oh, people like write about her and be like, Oh, this is Supergirl. But this is, this was like really personal. And like, she could actually be a mentor towards someone who is younger and who can look up to her and things like that. So that was like a really good relationship for the most part. And, yeah, I agree with Tati. I mean, in general, all of these women had pretty great relationships with, the, with the, relationships with each other. They were very dynamic. It felt more true to how, you know, female friendships often feel or in, except like it was just about pain all the time. <laughs> so that's like the one thing that um, kind of messes everything up because we don't really get to see these women just having like moments of joy like we had that episode with um kate partying or even you know being really flirty with sophie like those are just happy moments for these women and it was like nice to see because it is kind of overshadowed by all the pain and trauma or toxicity that happens between all of them um but despite that we get really fleshed out characters in terms of like their relationships with each other so like mary and kate like you said you know there's that whole instance of sister jealousy and what is you know how kate might treat like her biological sister versus her stepsister and all those things that kind of come with it but it doesn't feel 
it never really felt like petty or um one dimensional and it was like it it began from the very first episode and it was well developed up until like the last episode of the season um and then you had kate and alice who obviously they they had their own set of issues but at the same time like you could clearly see how much they care about each other and often fight for each other even though like the push pull between them like you said earlier jessica you know this was this should have been Kara and lena in that vein you know in terms of when Kate backed off because she kept trying to save Alice and it never really worked out versus like Alice once Kate backed off she's like no I want you back I don't want to kill you anymore but now I do want to kill you because you don't want me anymore (laughs) and so it's like super complicated all the time um, which makes it really engaging to watch and then of course like Sophie and Kate um, was a layered relationship because even though you know we could have gotten way more of it it did set up the whole this is why they're both sort of like not really talking and they have their own issues to sort out. But then it got to the point where like Sophie backed away herself um, from being around Batwoman and sort of took like her got more agency in, in terms of her own personal life. Um, So all of that and like the whole dynamic with um, Julia later on, it never, there was always something to enjoy in every relationship with these women, um, regardless of the storyline. And it never felt like too over the top or too forced. Um, so a lot of these things felt really genuine between them. Um, so yeah, I agree with like B plus. Okay. Y'all make me feel better about my grade. Cause I was like, yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of toxic relations in here, but I'm giving it yeah. a for female relationships. Yeah, but they still, but they um, but you get why relationships you are get, still get, real. They're okay. still valid. Toxic exactly. relationships that are valid, people. You're valid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, think, I feel like, you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the women dynamics, it doesn't always have to be positive um, friendships. It could still be complicated um, and engaging, and I think that's what Batwoman did this season with a lot of their relationships. And there's like a lot of like triangles, and it's just like complicated emotions. And um, but you can tell like there's this undercurrent of love between you know Alice and Kate, Kate and Mary. Um, so it's they're really like good triangles. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. I had it and then I lost it, but yeah, um, I like I like that because it, it it felt very interesting to watch and it's one of the things that you know when we we're saying that it didn't feel like it was coming from like a petty place or whatever. It's like the characters are ha- having these feelings and thoughts because it's essential to the character and not because the writer just wanted to force some kind of like thing for plot purposes or doesn't like this person. So they want to da 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 da. It all makes sense within the narrative, why each of the characters feel the way that they do at the time that they feel it. Um, so that it makes the story more engaging. Um, I really liked the triangle dynamics between Kate, Mary and Alice. Um, I think they did a good job in, sustaining Alice as a season-long villain, even after revealing in the pilot that Alice is Beth, um, and that, you know, and have her know who Kate is. I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you 
blow up your villain and reveal them in the pilot episode. But it wasn't the just that Alice was a villain to Kate's superhero. It was the complicated relationship underneath that of them being twins and, you know, Alice's feelings of being rejected and, and left by Kate. Um, Kate wanting to, like, save her sister, but then she also has another sister who has been living in the shadow of the dead sister for years and trying to, like, establish that close connection that Kate has with Alice due to them being twins um, and, like, Mary's insecurities. But you can also, you know, at times we see that Kate is favors Alice a little bit because she's the sister that she couldn't save. Um, there's still that sister relationship between Kate and Mary that you know that Kate also really cares about, genuinely cares about Mary. Um, and I agree with you, Tati, that we should have, it would have been nice to see how Catherine's dynamic fit into that relationship between Kate and Mary, just because nice. we saw, it must be nice. Um, we saw the, to have Hamilton in the plot. It's an issue with like mothers in the Arrowverse. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. We saw the fallout of Catherine's decision, but we didn't really see enough of Catherine and Kate's relationship to really make that fallout even more explosive like it could have been. Um, you know, if, if Kate and Catherine had this, like, really great relationship, and all of a sudden, you know, Kate finds out that Catherine's the reason why they couldn't find Alice, like, that, or couldn't find Beth, then, then that causes, like, a whole different, like, level of emotion. So there's some things that they could have, like, expanded more on. Um, also, you have, like, Kate-Sophie Batwoman triangle, and then later on it turns into, like, Julia-Kate-Sophie triangle, and I, like, I remember we were, like, worried about when Julia first popped in and it's like, oh, here comes the white woman ship to sideline Sophie. And then it kind of like flipped when Julia was running with Sophie. But like that kind of like complicated exes upon exes in the triangle, but there's still like feelings between all of them. Um, the Even like with Parker coming in as um, Kate's, protege or like a first like kind of a young person to believe in Kate as like a superhero um and then we see her come back surprisingly in one of the later episodes and um her relationship dynamic to Mary and Mary being like who is this person why does she know your secret before I do um there's all these like yeah all these like little intricate complicated things that make the relationships engaging even if they're not like the most emotionally healthy they're still compelling to watch um season two i don't know we'll have to <laughs> right, right. we'll, <laughs> we'll see what see. happens hopefully it'll be just as good yes especially i guess especially with you know because now all of these ladies have to engage ryan who is taking over whether whether it's forcefully or was given to her we don't know yet but taking over this space that used to be occupied by someone that they cared about a lot so that'll be interesting so b b plus i guess is the the average that we're going with cool 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 moving into black lightning um when we did (laughs) when we did black lightning 
two years ago. It was season one. So um, I gave it a final grade of like C plus on relationships. Um, I I didn't really know what to grade it. Of so if, if I'm going off season one, saying it's a C plus, I feel like I gotta go lower yeah. <laughs> this season. Um, there's not a lot of women outside of the family. Right. I think the only other, you know, well, you have like obviously Jennifer, Lynn, um, Anissa. You have Anissa and Jennifer's relationship. We have Anissa with Grace. We also have Anissa with um, Olsen. I forgot her first name. Sorry, with a J. Jamila. Jamila. Oh, Jamila, yeah. Jamila was, um, and then also, I guess we can put in um, the girl, um, Death Girl, her father's death, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the girl the, from the that whatever. episode over in that place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> P, with a P. The Purdy? The Purdy. Yeah, the Purdy. Yeah. yeah. Purdy in that storyline. Yeah. There's not like a lot of like women relationships to right. build off of. It's all like the family relationships. And even those are strange. We're stra- those so, are strange here. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I gave season one like a C plus. I feel like I had to give season three like a D. Yeah. At least. That's the thing. Like, cause normally, a starting point. Yeah. Normally you'd say like, well, the Pierce family is the center of the story and the majority of the Pierce women are women. Like, majority of them are women. So there's a lot of relationships right there. But this season, there was already, like, everyone was kind of, like, off in their own corners. It was really strained. Um, so the dynamics you're getting out of it are, like, you know, you have an Issa and Grace, but you don't have Grace there most of the time. However, they do have, like, a supportive, fun, interesting dynamic. But they didn't, you know, take the opportunity to have Grace really interact with any of the other family members. Because Jennifer, they, don't, yeah. they already don't have the family together. So you could have built a really interesting dynamic with Jennifer and and uh, Grace, or with um, Lynn and Grace, you know, like, how do they feel about the fact that Anissa is devoting so much of herself to this woman? You know, do, are they are they glad that Anissa who has, has like issues up? with exactly like, who has her. these issues? Like, do they are, do they love that Anissa has stepped up, that she's finally settling down and actually like, you know, fighting for someone as opposed to running away like she used to do? Or do they think that Anissa is giving too much of herself? Do they think that this is just added stress on top of? The fine, the fine writing, the crime fighting life. She's trying to, <laughs> she's trying to pursue. You know, like those are important questions. I think, and the only, I think the only time that they really were like, ooh, family tension, was with Jefferson. At the one time Jefferson comes in, and it's like, oh hey, what's up? And then like that mm-hmm. one scene where Lynn was like, oh y'all are getting married? That's weird. But it's not like she interacted with, with Grace about it at all. So, yeah. so that's like a missed opportunity there. And also, even though we haven't seen this this girl in like two years, but I'm like, where's Keisha? <laughs> where's where is Jennifer's one friend that she I has thought... been replaced by Brandon? Boy. Yes. Wow, so, guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was unfortunate. Um, you know, like Jennifer doesn't have anyone really to the only the only people that she has to maybe like lean on are like friends. Brandon and like her yes. toxic dead boyfriend who exactly. is now back to life. <laughs> her toxic <laughs> reviving boyfriend. So that's unfortunate. I mean, I guess you could count like Jace and uh, Lynn, but they didn't really oh, like that. Yeah, I forgot season. about that. that and this toxic. season, this season, Jace is like, mm, I kind of like want to get in there with Lynn, with Lynn, but that didn't go anywhere, <laughs> and then she was dead. Um, so yeah, I guess I this mean, season is rated S for strained. So I'll do that. Yeah. 
S yeah. restrained. Perfect. Um, yeah, because there isn't, I'm like, I don't, there's not really much to discuss. I think the one that we have them, I guess there's the fact that the girls were trying to help uh, Lynn overcome her addiction. There's like a couple, there's a couple scenes of that, you know? But again, that could have been something that was much more delved into, you know, because the people that would be most affected outside of Jefferson are, are, um, and and Jennifer, and they didn't really get a chance to process it very much. It was like, oh, this is happening. Don't do it, mom. I won't do it. Later on, she did. Does it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's, it, it it was definitely, I think, uh, several missed opportunities to really explore these different dynamics and not just, not just female dynamics, but because that's what we're talking about. There were a lot of places they could have gone that they did not. Sad times. It is frustrating that when Jennifer and Anissa didn't really properly interact with Lynn, it was because of the drug thing. Like, oh, now we have to talk about this as a family. Um, but we like, I think back was season two when like Jennifer was really starting to get her powers and they had that nice conversation with her and Lynn about her not wanting them and why that's okay. And all these mm-hmm. really engaging things and, and complicated storylines that they kind of dropped, um, in season three and Jennifer obviously like interacts mostly with men. I think one of the more interact, interesting you know, female dynamics was actually Jennifer versus Jennifer versus Jennifer from different Earths. Yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome one. You're right. Yeah. You want female dynamics, wrong. do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I will be my own best friend. <laughs> um, Jennifer's like, me, myself, and I. Okay. Um, so that was really good and, and really compelling to watch because it was kind of like touching upon all of Jennifer's issues and like what was going on with her so that was fun but yeah in terms of like grace and anissa like tati said you know grace was barely around we we got we definitely got more moments between them versus season two but there still wasn't enough to build you know this groundbreaking relationship where even more investment could be in it and you know grace met the only member of the family that grace really met was jefferson and like she didn't really get to interact with lynn or um, Jennifer at all. And I feel like Anissa, there was that one moment where she was like sending them the video message because she thought she was going to die. Mm-hmm. And that was really good because she was talking about like how much Jennifer like means to her and how proud she is and with her mom. And then Jennifer's message too that I don't think anybody ever heard. So, but I, you know, obviously all of these interactions were not too like not in the physical presence of the rest of the family. Um, So there was a lot of moments where the show could have definitely expanded upon their relationships from previous seasons that they just left, you know, out there uh, for hopefully for season four, but Jen or sorry, Lynn was definitely on her own for most of the season. And when she did interact, it was mostly with Jefferson and it was like a, very contentious relationship going on there. Um, so yeah, there's just, there needs to be more women interaction in black lightning and it's sad. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like it is as for strange just because everyone, not even just like the women, but in general, like the family was separated for like a lot of the plot. I don't feel like we had even as much, Jennifer and Nissa interaction as we had in previous seasons. 
um, especially when you bring in like Grace and like Anissa's relationship with Grace and how this has become like a very important relationship in her life. And there are times where Jennifer talks about Grace, um, kind of like teases Anissa, but we never really see Jennifer interact with Grace. So it's kind of like weird that, you know, she can, she's joking with her sister about it, but she doesn't really have a lot of perspective on the relationship because there's no relationship or scenes with her around both Anissa and Grace. Um, in season one, when Anissa was in a relationship with the other girl for like two episodes, um, we had like a conversation with her talking to her mom about her girlfriend. And that's just stuff that we've kind of like really gone away from. Um, and then, you know, Lynn was either trapped in the ASA basement um, or also then like her drug addiction for, so she didn't really have a relationship with either of her daughters um, much of this season. Um, I feel like the only like really stable dynamic was between Innocent and Grace and, and that relationship. Um, I mentioned Jamila and the Purdy girl and those are other, I think Anissa probably interacts with women the most out of the season. Um, Lynn had Jace, which was like completely toxic. Um, and not even really compelling toxic because they never liked each other or Lynn never really liked her. And Jace is kind of like her obsession. Um, so it's basically just opportunities for Lynn to be the shit out of Jace <laughs> at random points during the season. Um, so there wasn't really anything like compelling there. Um, and then you have like Anissa wasn't really very nice to the Purdy girl, even though they were supposed to have like that kind of relationship where she helped save them. They had a very strained relationship in the season um, that wasn't really kind of delved into. You have, um, Jamila, who was introduced, which I thought she would have a bigger role in this season than she wound up having. And I don't know if that's because um, Chantal was suddenly more available so they could write in Grace more. And that's why we saw less of Jamila. But I feel like it would have been interesting to see, for even if it didn't go romantically between Anissa and Jamila, to see um, a relationship there with a superhero and a reporter. Like, that is a tried and true trope in comics. And we didn't really get to see that like play out in Black Lightning and I don't think Jamila was used she's used for the audience and, and informing us and what's going on but I feel like they could have made more use of her um, dynamic with Anissa and with like the the freedom fighters and everything um, so yeah Definitely. I mean especially because they were both working on that side yeah so there could have there's some missed opportunities there um Jennifer, she only has dudes around her. So Keisha is gone. She's been replaced by Brandon, who is also, I mean, well, not also, but he's not really, he was a disappointment to me personally. Um, but him on one side, you had, um, what's his face on the other? You got Anissa lying to Jennifer about her dead boyfriend coming back to life. Um, so, yeah a lot of like strained relationships, which I don't know that it will get better. Cause I feel like Lynn's relationship with Jace is going to be replaced by her to her relationship with Tobias. 
Um, I don't know. So we'll see. But where do we, where do we land on Black Lightning as far as like women in relationships? D. A pity D. A pity D. Yeah. <laughs> I'd fail them if I didn't love them so much. I don't, I guess, I guess I'm going off of D because maybe Anissa and Grace kind of like saves them. True, true. But yeah. Anywho's, um, falling over into side B of this argument, not argument, but this discussion, um, we have The Flash, Stargirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. So starting off with The Flash, let me see what I gave it. So for, let's see, on The Flash, so on The Flash, uh, Flash Season 6, last time that we did this, um, Nora was in town, so Season 5? What year was it? Season 4. Oh, it's the end of Season 4. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Anyways, the last time we did this two years ago, Flash, uh, Tati gave Flash a D minus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said the Flash is rated F for fuck female friendships. All right. <laughs> um, no, sorry, it was May that gave it a D minus. Um, I gave it an F. Um, this time we should give an E for F failed effort. F E failed effort. Failed effort. <laughs> failed effort. I gave it a D, but I feel like I was being generous. Um, my D was based mainly off of Central City Citizen and the attention of forming the Central City Citizen. Um, season six, it was kind of like a mixed bag because you did have Iris um, hire some people and she hired women of color. She hired Allegra and she hired Camilla. And then Cecile quit her job and now hangs out at the Central City Citizen. So you also have Cecile over there. So um, Iris essentially has a team of uh, five people, including her. I can't count. Four people. Team of four at the Central City Citizen. You have um, Frost, who is a, a new entity into the mix, even though she doesn't... I think she... That relationship, the only female relationship that Frost has is with Allegra. So you have that little alt-goth, big sis, little sis dynamic between them. You have um, Iris and Cecile. Cecile took over a lot of Joe's responsibilities as Flash parent um, this season. But as even with the Central City Citizen, I don't feel like there was as big of a connection to female friendships as they could be. You also had Eva, who is the um, latter half villain of the season, and Iris was stuck in a mirror with her for the rest of the season, so there's that dynamic as well. Um, but ultimately, I I feel like they're trying, but they're not really delivering. So I guess I gave them a D for, <laughs> a D for effort. <laughs> but what did you guys think of the female relationships on The Flash for season six. Yeah, I feel like I would say it was an improvement on season four because there's at least more women with whom one could form a relationship because mm-hmm. women has never been in Flash's strong suit. Um, but I agree overall that it was more of like I an attempt was made 
mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't as much follow through as there could have or should have been. Definitely, there were some really bright and um, fun moments with Central City Citizen, uh, especially early on, um, you know, before Iris was sucked into a mirror verse and therefore could literally not have formed dy- dynamics with any other women in Central City Citizen. But um, it was it was nice uh, to see her kind of like mentoring Allegra a little bit um, and then like, you know, like them working on cases together and Cecile kind of coming in um, to, to offer advice or even to like mentor people in different episodes. Right. Sometimes she would be there for Iris or sometimes she would be there. I guess maybe one time she was there for Caitlin slash Frost. Maybe. And maybe I made that up. I don't know. I feel like she doles out advice. She, and then half she the did, time, but she like, yeah. <laughs> Iris, here's just as important as Iris. who's stuck in the mirror and possibly going insane. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel yeah, bad. Yeah, that's right. Let's not forget about that. That's right. <laughs> you're ju- you, you move. You visiting your mom for two weeks yes. is just as you important. sitting on the couch and, and doing nothing <laughs> and watching us pack your stuff is just as important as <laughs> looking for Iris. <laughs> but yeah, so 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 we have some like smatterings. I feel like it's a little bit of like um, the Supergirl way, right? Where there's all these options to choose from, and every once in a while we get a, some cute moments. But unlike Supergirl, there isn't really like a backbone of like this is like the most important you know dynamic um so what so on the one hand it's like we're not like missing something huge because we are doing better than we normally are but on the other hand it's still not we're just not getting us very far i do think that eva and iris had an interesting dynamic you know where like you were led to believe that they could be a team and then it turns out no eva is super shady she's using iris um but at the same time you know she controls and has a like maybe mother motherly bond of we don't really know what's going on there with you know mirror iris slash mirror camilla so we did get a quite a bit of like whatever creepiness is going on with eva and and mirror iris i feel like there could have been more of that especially just not like iris and eva within the mirror it could have been eva and mirror iris that Mm. dynamic and i feel like Partly because we had to waste some episodes thinking that Eva was a normal person. <laughs> right. That when we did get find out like her plan, it was already down the road and there wasn't any right. more explanation of her relationship with Mirror Iris. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so there was like potential there, but it wasn't it was like untapped potential. Mm-hmm. Um and like we said, like yes, there was a little bit of um Frost helping out Allegra, but that didn't really go very far and obviously over in, in these grounds had it gone anywhere we wouldn't have liked it so that's neither here nor there um <laughs> but but yeah so i think i think there's you know now we have the characters there to hopefully spend more time with next season to hopefully develop more female friendships um and interesting interactions but this season was a bit of a pass it was just like okay i see that you tried and you know like when a baby first learns to walk and then it just like trips immediately right it just falls on his face and you're like oh my god your first steps <laughs> so that's what the season of the flash was for female friendships <laughs> yes they, they the, the bar is very low um and i think it's just generally disappointing though because like with camilla they did introduce her in season five and then when we did have her interact with Iris in season six, 
it was fine. But then when they had like their big moment in the mirror and we're supposed to believe like they're really friends, they're talking about Cisco. <laughs> That's right. Off. Like, there, <laughs> like that's how you know, know that there are too many penises in the kitchen because the only thing, like, and I can feel, you know, I, don't, I don't remember who wrote that episode, but I feel like if, you know, that was like a note from Eric or someone, like, yeah, make sure you, you know, mention Cisco in here somewhere because that's like Camilla's da da da, parallel, whatever, whatever. But then they made it the whole entire exchange about Cisco. I'm like, we get it. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that Iris and Camilla must be the most boring person in the world. It's the only thing they talked about is Cisco, and it's the only thing yeah. that Iris can, can remember. Yeah. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. And, and it's frustrating, too, because, like, we did, we did, again, we had, like, Allegra and Iris in that, like, one episode where Allegra was like, I look up to you. And then when Allegra was giving her the advice about writing the article, but then Allegra's most important relationship was with Nash. <laughs> um, so, you know, the the puzzle pieces are all there, but the writers need to do better in trying to actually fit them together. Right. Um, yeah. I think, and, and then there was like Cecile checking with Iris in like the season six premiere about Nora and, you know, being there for her. But then also we didn't really get much of that relationship after that. Um, and, but I will say the one female relationship friendship that I did enjoy was Mirror Iris and Amunet. You know, they got a lot. <laughs> Oh, hey, that was fun. That was a fun episode. That was great. You know, so, you know, more of that type of thing. Um, And there was that, like, potential with uh, Ava as well, obviously. But it didn't, like, because we didn't get that many scenes with them because they wanted to keep up with the mystery. We didn't really get much of developing their actual relationship, like, getting to talk more about their lives unless it like related directly to, you know, the plot or something, but we didn't get too much of that until it was like too late anyway. Um, but there was like a lot of potential there. Um, I did like mirror Iris and mirror Camilla, I guess made like a fun team. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like they, they didn't really expand on any of the female friendships on the show. Um, Obviously, Iris and Caitlin don't exist still. And Frost had a sort of mentorship with Allegra, but I think it was like one episode in her primary relationship was with Ralph, obviously. Um, So, yeah, it's just like all again, all the puzzle pieces are there. They didn't really put much effort in putting them all together. They just kind of like introduced a lot more women, but they didn't have those women interact in a way that was really compelling. Too, who had no relationships with any with woman. any of the women yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean there's there's a in in season seven i would hope that because they have all these women in place now that they'll actually make it more interesting and have them hang out or work cases together especially now that the citizen is fully established and it's not just you know, like because flash is um as opposed to supergirl batwoman it is a male-led series so obviously you know we're not going to get like huge plots centered around like women friendships like you like you would with supergirl or um batwoman but even supergirl's not really doing that (laughs) well in in that sense but there could be a lot of more interactions like little things between the women that are consistent and show up and like side plots and things like that that um i think the ingredients were there um, they just the cake did not come out the way that it should have. 
Um, so I think they need to get back in the kitchen and mix around a little bit more with the different dynamics. Um, I, I actually like the Frost Allegra dynamic. Um, but I think so. I, if we had gotten more of that, then fine. But I think the issue is that Allegra was introduced to be mentored by Iris in Central City Citizen to kind of help flesh out Central City Citizen. So there's kind of an imbalance there that, um, you know, Allegra's storyline got derailed by Nash and having to connect back to Nash. And then her primary, I don't know if, I don't know if I would say it was primary or secondary, but like a major relationship that she had outside of Nash was with Frost. Um, whereas more could have been spent in developing a mentor-mentee relationship between Iris and Allegra, because a lot of Iris and Allegra's earlier interactions was Allegra, you know, not being being impatient and not really appreciating Iris's method of journalism. Um, so I feel like they introduced that strain and never really, they kind of like glossed over the resolution and didn't really kind of expand on Iris and Allegra much more after that. You have Central City Citizen and you have all these women in Central City Citizen. And we had one episode, one really good episode of um, Central City Citizen working a case um, but then that was it. There's also like Allegra and Camilla, like little, there was like little throwaway lines about Allegra liking meat and Camilla being a vegan and then like arguing like right. little like sister dynamic um, fighting tension within Central City Citizen that could make Central City Citizen a lot more of an interesting place set to be in with Iris as a boss and, you know, Allegra and Camilla kind of like sisterly bickering or, or, or whatever that we just don't see a lot. You have Cecile who has stepped up in a lot of ways because of um, Jesse L. Martin's injury and, and Joe taking a step back um, in the plot. But I feel like she did have that one good episode with Iris in the beginning to kind of help Iris talk through her grief. But um, I really feel like there's a huge missed opportunity there, especially with Joe and Cecile being the senior couple to Wes Allen's newer couple. Um, and there's a lot of like relationship dynamics and advice that, you know, the same way that Barry has a relationship with Joe, Iris could have with Cecile, but I feel like they um, spread Cecile out too thin to be a mother to everybody um, because Joe is, is less involved that it kind of water down, waters down her dynamic with Iris. Um, so, you you know, there's some missed opportunity there. Um, Frost, her still, her primary relationships were with men. And that could be just <laughs> a Danielle thing because of the, the cast dynamics um, that we don't see any kind of development we haven't seen any kind of development since they pretended to be friends for one episode so that iris would have someone to be her maid of honor which is also bullshit um but with iris and caitlin or iris and frost um so that is kind of a lost cause i think but um yeah i definitely feel like iris and eva especially mira iris and eva we could have seen a lot more of that dynamic um like i mentioned earlier the 
Iris Camilla scene pissed me off because I feel like they should be better friends than just you you said you love Cisco. I'm like, duh. (laughs) (laughs) The many ways you loved Cisco. Right. Like, I mean, even if I was a fraud, I would if I I would be able to deduce that she loves her boyfriend and believe me, please. So I feel like there could have been other, you know, Camilla has other interests. She's a photographer. She, you know, does, all, she's a vegan. She does all this stuff. There could have been more um, lines that was even without showing it in a full ass episode that show that their relationship is deeper than that. So, And then, yeah, again, Sue touched no women, didn't have any scenes with any women. So, oh, I guess I could um, highlight the, uh, what's his face? Evil guy's harem of female supervillains with uh, oh, Dr. Right. Light and yeah, Sunshine. Black yeah, the black old Charlie's Angels, um, Sunshine, Dr. Light, and one more. Cause I think there was three of them. And I can't remember the other one's name. Yeah. I don't but know. they, oh, wait, wait. whatever. Wasn't that one the uh, um, Allegro's cousin? Sometime? Yes, Esperanza. Yeah. Esperanza, yeah. Yeah. So the three of them in one episode felt like they had a better bond. <laughs> they bonded and had a better bond than um, a lot of the other women dynamics. Um, and I like that they, they, after one conversation with Eva, they're like, yeah, your husband's an asshole. So let's join forces. That was great. <laughs> but i feel like you know now that maybe hopefully in season seven now that we have first we gotta get iris out of the mirror but once we have um them back in the real world i would hope that they would delve into central city citizen more and expand on the relationships between the women a lot more even if like minor plots are in background plots you could do better do better so Next up, we have Stargirl, and Stargirl is new, so we don't have a previous um, rating for it. It's in season one. It's still in the middle of season one, so it's not finished yet. But um, I gave Stargirl an A- minus for its relationships with the girls. Um, I took off points because of Cindy, um, and particularly Cindy's relationship with Yolanda, um, and just Cindy's relationship with other women in general um, right. is not Cindy the best. misogynist. Yeah. But I think overall, um, especially because, you know, it's a teen show and um, again, it's like a heroin driven show because the star of the show is Courtney. I also think I gave it a little bit of a downgrade because Courtney's like, especially in the first couple episodes, her primary relationship was with Pat and not other kids her own age. But I think as they opened up the um, teen world side of it, we get to see more um, dynamics between her, Yolanda, and Beth. Um, and also the complicated dynamic between Courtney and Cindy. Um, Cindy and her friend, Jenny. Um, I think her name is Jenny. And then, of course, Cindy and Yolanda. So there are um, a couple different. And then you also have Barbara and Courtney. Um, the mother-daughter dynamic. So you have a couple of different um, female relationships within the show. And I think overall, the friendship of the main three girls kind of brings it up into the A category for me. 
but what do you guys think about how the show is developing relationships between the women on star girl so far yeah like you mentioned at first it was a little bit iffy i was a little bit like "Mm, i don't know where we're going with this i would like to see more of the school life i'd like to see more of the other kids um but at least from the start courtney had a really nice relationship with her mom um even though it was not highlighted as much as the pat one um and could and could still be explored more but we see that um there is like support like mutual support between them like Courtney even if she pouts she's not going to actually make life hard for her mom she wants her mom to be happy but at the same time her mom clearly has not opened up to her about her dad right all she'll say about her dad is (laughs) he sucks and he is not star man okay moving on um so so there's there's a lot left to be explored there but there's still like they've opened the door for what could be an interesting dynamic um down the line uh but we do have those uh, really nice uh, friendship blossoming with um, with Yolanda and with Beth and and Courtney, of course. So the, these last few episodes have been a lot of fun um, with those three and, of course, with the other boys. Who's, I can't remember his name. Richard? Rick? I don't Rick. know. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but, but so, so, yeah, so we are getting a lot, um, and they are kind of, like, getting their due so far. It took, it was, took a, it was a little slow going, but now we're actually seeing it. Plus, hopefully we're going to get Beth's personal life very soon. Um, but with Yolanda, we, we did get to see, like, the contrast between what her life used to be and what it is like now. And even though, you know, Cindy sucks and is, uh, you know, catering to the patriarchy, Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that is a real thing that w- that women experience, right? And that that d- does happen. So that's uh, that's a downside, but it is good to see that contrasted with um, the way that Courtney interacts, right? Like even with Sydney, even with Cindy, I want to call her Sydney every single time. Courtney wants to be nice to her. Courtney wants mm-hmm. to develop that friendship. She wants to try to reach out and maybe think that she can be, you know, saved by the power of female friendship. I don't know. But, and, and we saw that too, when people were, you know, slut shaming or making fun of Yolanda in an earlier episode and immediately Courtney's instinct was to reach out to her. Right. So Courtney supports women and that is very good to see in our heroine. Right. It's good that she just like Mm -hmm. unequivocally is like, all the girls are my friends except for you, Beth, but not because you're a woman, because (laughs) you're not cool. cool. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think that, that they've done a good job um, in promoting w- without, without being like kitschy about it. Right. Without being like hashtag feminism, they've done a good job of promoting like the importance of um, dynamics between, between uh, female characters. And Cindy sucks, but we did get to see Jenny stand up to her and say, you know what? I'm not taking this anymore. And yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we even got to hear, I guess, her actually give a little explanation as to why she was that way, right? And why she you know, felt like everyone, <laughs> like she has to use fear to control, to control, like you mentioned with the Azula comparison. Mm-hmm. Plus, I really love Robo Mom. So I'm like, <laughs> Robo Mom tries so hard to be a good mom to Cindy, and Cindy does not accept her. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out if Cindy will love her Robo Mom. Okay. <laughs> I don't think these friendships are performative at all. And I was really surprised by the fact that 
most of Courtney's team is made up of women to begin with, um, which was amazing. And I think that the show has really built up very engaging and compelling dynamics between all the characters, like the women in general, like Courtney. We saw Courtney kind of like defend uh, Yolanda when she was being slut shamed and teased in school and we saw her stand up to her and basically be like fuck the patriarchy that's not your fault that you sent you know that picture to the guy it was his fault for sharing it um and then with building the dynamic with beth it's not like as strong with beth but the fact that like she's on the team and she's they're interacting with them and you know she's they don't think she's cool now but we know that they will think that she's cool later because beth is great and smart (laughs) um so it's definitely like better than having her team be an entire like sausage fest basically. Um, and then we have her, like, like you said, Tati, you know, at first she obviously interacted most with Pat and I was worried. I was like, Oh no, is this like going to be her strongest relationship on the show so far? But then when she got all her friends, I think that it made even her like more of an engaging character and building those friendships with all the other women in the show, even like Cindy, who's, super fucked up and does shady things and is pretty much evil at this point um the fact that Courtney wanted to like reach out to her maybe befriend her and get to like know her um to see what makes her tick um any you know despite Cindy's evilness I guess uh she's still like a dynamic character on her own um even though she has sucky relationships with women and seems to hate them all including her robo mom <laughs> um but she i think that her own mom <laughs> she killed her own mom you know so that's not good <laughs> but in general i think that the dynamics are like really surprising in terms of like how strong the female friendships are on the show and how just very genuine and solid they are without being like forced or performative it's not like you said hashtag feminism it's actual just women being friends with each other and not always agreeing with each other even but like engaging with each other in these sometimes difficult conversations and trying to build and build a foundation for their teamwork yeah i feel like the bulk of my a grade for star girl is because of courtney and how supportive she is of not just people in general, but women in particular. So, like, her, not even, and Yolanda wasn't very, like, friendly when she first came in and sat down at the table. Like, she just kind of, like, walked off. So, like, Courtney had no obligations to, you know, talk to Yolanda or stand up for Yolanda. But she saw something that was not right, especially coming from Cindy and having this um, young lady tear down this other young lady and slut-shaming and all that kind of stuff. And that just kind of shows you Courtney's morals as a person and her morals as a character that this is not something that she stands for and that this is not something that she believes that women should be doing to each other, slut-shaming each other. Um, So I like that she stood up for Courtney in the moment against Cindy, especially since Cindy was trying to, like, roll out the evil red carpet for Courtney at the beginning because Courtney was, like, a gymnast. He's like, yeah, we should be friends because you're a gymnast and and I'm the coolest person in school. And so therefore, blah, 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 blah. But um, even, you know, with Cindy at the top, it would have been very easy for Courtney being a new person in school. This is the queen bee of the school. Um, Just 
you know, stay quiet, speak less, smile more. Hamilton <laughs> reference. Um, <laughs> this, it, this really is the Hamilton episode, is, secretly. Yeah, so KJ, this is secretly. <laughs> um, no, but you know, it's something that didn't sit right in her spirit, and so she spoke out about it. Um, so look, this is far as episode two. <laughs> it's like what you should do <laughs> to talk about stuff that <laughs> is not popular um, opinions. But um, I like that she did that. And I also liked in the Wildcat episode where she's trying to convince Yolanda, you know, first that she thought when she, you know, thought of Wildcat, that she thought of Yolanda for this superhero role. And then also... Um, when Yolanda is feeling insecure about like the, the bodysuit and, you know, Courtney is like nothing but supportive. It doesn't even cross Courtney's mind that, you know, the, the dark thoughts that are crossing through Yolanda's mind, it, it doesn't even occur to Courtney that anyone would say that about Yolanda or think that way about Yolanda. She's just very pure in her optimism and her support of um, Yolanda as a friend. So I, I like their relationship dynamic because of that. Um, and I, I did not like the, like, the little Dean was when, you know, Beth tried to join the group in the same way. And Courtney went, like, you're not really cool. So that wasn't, like, the greatest <laughs> start. But I do feel like afterwards, like, they've kind of meshed with each other. And now, um, you know, we don't really see it. And I wish, you know, going into the rest of the season and beyond that we could see more of those relationships and how they have developed between Courtney and Beth and Yolanda and Beth. Um, but I do like that they're all in the little friendship circle now. Um, Courtney and Cindy, I like the, I guess in a similar way of, of Batman, it's a toxic relationship, but it's very interesting in that it's like there's a kind of this push-pull there that they could have been friends if Cindy was not a science experiment monster. <laughs> Like, in another world, we could have been friends, but um, now we're opposed on opposite sides of the spectrum. So I think that there's a lot of interesting things there. But a lot of my demerits on the relationships with Cindy, you know, and the way that she treats Jindy, I do like that Jindy stood up for herself and was like, um, it took a while, a couple episodes to get there, but you know, I do like that she stood up for herself and said, like, you're not going to treat me this way. And I would like to see in a later episode what happened to that relationship. Are they still not talking? Or is Cindy going to try and, like, rebuild that relationship with, with Jenny or not? Um, I think that would be interesting to see. Um, Cindy has, I think, a lot to do to kind of earn some relationships, especially with women back that I don't know if we'll ever get to see her, maybe she'll find like someone as evil as she is. Like maybe, I don't know if, I still don't know what they're going to do with Artemis. So whether they're going to bring her into supervillain club or superhero club, it's unsure. But can you imagine like Cindy and Artemis and her aggressiveness on the same team? Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm scared already. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so that, I mean, that could be like a good potential um, relationship in the future if Artemis gets pulled in by Cindy um, to that side. And I, I feel like because Artemis is so competitive and Cindy is also so competitive that they could, you know, be a force <laughs> in, 
in season two or, or late season one or whatever. So there's a lot of like interesting friendships um, just within season one. And I think they have a lot that they can expand on. Um, and then also, you know, shout out to Barbara for being a good mom. <laughs> 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 um, and there were like the scenes, few scenes that we do have with her and, yeah, and, and Courtney. And not dead on a superhero show. And has a good relationship with her daughter. Yes. Even though her daughter yes. is like lying to her. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the one the one show where we have it finally. <laughs> you think it's in, uh, for your a spoiler if you hadn't seen the recent episode, the Brainwave episode, that at least now Barbara has kind of forced her way in on the secret. So we'll see how that dynamic changes coming up in in the next episode. So, um, but anyways, moving on to final show, Legends of Tomorrow. Back in season three. When we did this episode, we gave, uh, May gave Legends a C plus, um, because on the surface, it seems like they have more female interaction, but on further inspection, it's quite clear that the female friendships aren't as deep. And then I, I gave it. past me. You know, you do? Okay. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I gave it. I was it... right, and I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> I gave it B for badass girl team up, but that's it. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, are you saying, May, that your um, letter grade has not changed from the last time you made it? Mostly. I mean... That's interesting. I would give it probably, like, more of a C... Was it a C plus that I gave? It was a C plus that you gave. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, because I'm, think- well, cause I'm thinking about the season now, and... Yeah, past me was, was still correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because... We did have, first of all, like Sarah and Ava obviously are central to the show and their relationship is really strong, but also Ava, uh, Sarah wasn't really around for most of the season to begin with. So that didn't really, like we didn't get too much of them um, growing and, and developing. It was mostly just about when there, when there was, when there was scenes with them, it was like mostly about Ava in particular, like not necessarily about their dynamic uh except for like the occasional moment that we got with them and like even new zari didn't have a lot like her core relationships were with like behrad and nate no not nate not nate but like <laughs> but when they reintroduced our like early zari nate came back into the picture um but I think the one thing that would be like a step up is Astra's relationship with, um, what's her face? Hell Lady Atropo? Yeah. I can't, it's Charlie Atropos and I forget the other, the third one. Oh, no, name. Charlie, yes. Charlie Atropo. Um, shit. <sighs> the Fates. Well, the Fates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's call it the Fates. Yeah. Um, so her, her relationship and dynamic with them and how, you know, she saw her as a mother figure um, because of her own mom and her own trauma with her, like losing her mom too soon and kind of coming to terms with the fact that this woman isn't really there for her. She was there for her own selfish purposes and she was just using um, Astra for like her own reasons. Like, but it was like. Lachesis, yes. So, but it was a, like a very compelling dynamic in general, and it should 
that dynamic should have also translated to Charlie since those were her sisters. And I don't really think it did up until like the last minute. It was mostly kind of like running away from them, but not really exploring their relationship with each other in the past. It was very plot driven. Um, And we still didn't get like a lot of new Zari and like Mona wasn't around long enough to really further her relationships with the other women like they threw her a great bachelorette party and all of that stuff and that was like a really great episode for the women to interact and then um we had the what was that one episode with the college frat party yes the friend the, the, the sorority that was really one, yeah. good. that was really good for the yeah. women as well uh sure. in general but i yeah, so they're obviously there, and Legends is much better than other shows in trying to like build out those dynamics and whatnot. But I still feel slightly disappointed in that they could do a lot more with them, and they don't. But we did have that nice. Um, I did like the relationship with uh, Ava and Nuzari in the beginning, mm-hmm. especially like the Marie Antoinette episode, and kind of like how they're very much the opposite, and Ava was like being super judgmental. So I feel like a lot of the relationships grow out of initially being judgmental toward that person and then them growing on them That's like true. a little plant in the, yeah. in the garden. <laughs> um, so that's, <laughs> that's great. So I, w- I probably would go for like maybe a B minus okay. C plus. Cause I was going to say, I, was like, I don't know if I feel like you do, but yeah. I, I do feel like it's more, you know, now that you kind of like talk, I feel like selling in on like the B minus range is probably adequate. Um, what do you feel, Tati? Um, I, I guess I agree with May. Um, I think that it's like, there's a lot of fun dynamics, um, but they still feel mostly superficial. I feel like the, the less superficial ones would obviously be this season with Atropo and, um, oh my God, you just talked about it. Lachesis? Not- Lachesis. <laughs> I think it, Lachesis is the one with the... In hell. Yeah, the one Atropos in hell. Lachesis. Yeah, so Lachesis and what is her name? Astra. Astra, thank you. Astra and, and, and Lachesis. And that being like a twisted mother-daughter bond when what, what um, Astra really wants is to be reunited with her actual mom. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, same, same thing with like uh, Charlie having to break away from her sisters or having broken away from her sisters and now sort of coming to terms with that and also trying to stay regain or keep her autonomy her belief in free speech etc that's being manipulated free speech but you know what i'm saying like (laughs) free will (laughs) free will free will um and that being infringed on by by her sisters or sister um, so all of that was like really interesting. Um, and I think that we could have had a lot more of it, but they didn't really come into play until the second half as much. Um, but on the other hand, we did have some really brilliant, um, episodes like the ones that may already mentioned the, um, the bachelorette episode. Um, and also, and also the one where her, was this the same episode? No, I don't think it was, but Nora, um, convincing her dad that she's in love with John. And then we had Sarah and Ava there with her. And we got to finally, like, revel in the dynamics that they had created, like the book club, right? That we haven't yeah. really gotten to see much of. But we saw, we saw how that plays out when they were there faking um, their whole little servant dynamic for her, which was a lot of fun. 
Um, and then, of course, the um, sorority thing where we, where we got to see um, different people taking on like the potential of a friendship with Astra and how that worked out, especially with Charlie doing it. And then Zari also um, in the Sam the dog episode. Sam, you know what I'm talking about. The dog that makes you kill people episode oh, okay like, no, no i don't <laughs> Sam. Sam. Sam the dog. But anyway. <laughs> um so there's a lot of like different little fun moments um and of course the overarching um relationship of sarah and ava being co-captains for life that i'm glad that we have not lost um but like there's also things that we could have you know like zari zari 2.0 was still mostly like thankfully you know involved with Behrad because that's what we wanted to see um the the sibling dynamic but then also like not loving it anymore now loving Constantine which again love to see it but we could have <laughs> we could have had more with Charlie or um or with Sarah just like with with Zari 1.0 her dynamic with Sarah as captain was like a really uh, central part of her early like growing period we didn't get to see Zari 2.0 interact as much or as deeply with the ladies. Um, what else? Let me see. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think that there's like a lot of ladies kicking a lot of ass and they were a lot of fun, but we could always do better. So I would probably put it as this. Great like, for do better. <laughs> yeah, but D for do better. I mean, like, I D think for like, do it more. Yeah. <laughs> Stargirl and Batwoman are definitely top tier for this, for this season, for this season slash podcast, if you will. And then Supergirl and uh, Legends are like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and then Flash and Black Lightning are like, please, <laughs> please fix it. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, you know, I I guess I was rating it higher, Legends higher in my mind in the sense that the most prominent thing that I remember about this season was one, Sarah and Ava's relationship played like a huge focus. And then also um, Lachesis, Charlie and Lachesis Astra. Um, I feel like Lachesis and Astra, Charlie's storyline was the more compelling or the most compelling um, Sarah, Sarah and Ava's relationship focused a lot on basically Sarah preparing to die felt like a lot of the time and you know focusing more on her building up Ava who just lost her life's purpose with the Time Bureau um, so obviously and with them being the the flagship of the show um, they got like a lot of like development and um spotlight on their relationship um with Lakesis and Astra I liked how Lakesis and Astra and Lakesis and Charlie paralleled in the sense that Lakesis manipulated her relationship um to make these girls like feel like she was the only one in their corner that she was like the most important person in their lives and so you get that kind of it's a toxic relationship but it's like you know in the same vein as Batwoman in that it's not emotionally healthy but there is it's compelling and that there's a lot of like push and pull within their relationship of you know Charlie loves her sister but also her sister has not done very nice things to her 
Um, Astra loved Lachesis as a mother figure because she was abandoned in hell. And so Lachesis was someone that was there for her. But Lachesis is also manipulating her. And she kind of realizes that later on in life and realizes that's not right and that's not what she wants. And so, um, but I feel like they copped out at the end by Charlie being like, you have been... abused as well I'm like no she hasn't um so the way they tried to make like a victim at the end I feel like they lost a little bit of points for that because they could have ended that on like a, a more compelling I feel like Astra had the more compelling ending with Lachesis than Charlie did um um uh, but aside from those two storylines I did like you know the little relationship between Ava and Zari like you said May um and that one episode but it was just that one episode i feel like there's a little little it's not as prominent in other episodes that ava and zari are kind of on the same page i feel like with uh, also with astra and ava so there's a lot of like a lot of the new relationships between ava and the girls instead of like sarah and the girls um so which i guess also played into my you know whether it was sarah's um, work or uh, Katie's work commitments with whatever, whatever the reason was, Ava was taking over a lot of Sarah's um, yeah. relationship it was dynamics. Something fishy in the show, in the narrative. Um, I, I do like with. I I guess I agree that you know Zari's main relationship was with her brother. Um, she has like a little thing with Ava, and I feel like there could have been developing something with. Astra, but again, like you said, it starts out with being judgmental about this other woman, and then they find out that they have something in common, which you know if that's happening every single time women interact, maybe that's not a great you should change up the playbook a little bit right right, yeah, but like Rosari and Astra Loki fighting over John's attention, <laughs> I feel like you know it would be nice if Zari had. And I, I guess I also feel like in the beginning, the writers focus a lot more on Zari being superficial as opposed to really having her have connections with other women. Um, so with, um, I would have liked for her to have like a friend that she could just be unironically friends with, you know? Um, but I do think that they had a lot, a lot of good moments for the girls. Like, like you mentioned, I like the bachelorette party and the, invoking a book club because I feel like that was a really genuine scene where all of the women got together and were like supporting each other um I think it's kind of a shame that Nora um wasn't involved in the plot much unless it was about Ray like I don't really outside of like the one like book club scenes that we have we didn't really delve into her relationships with any of the ladies and then they shipped her off the ship so um I think with all of that, taking all that into account, we can settle in on the B minus, and I think that's probably where it is. So, um, hopefully, they bring it back Astra next season, and they can develop Zari and Astra relationship a little bit more. Um, also, Charlie's relationships were mainly with men outside yeah. of her sisters. There was Zari True. and Zari. It's like the Jennifer versus. Jennifer versus, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Best relationship is with yourself. That's what we've learned. 
Yeah. So they dropped the ball on Charlie, I think, just like in yeah. general. But next season, we have less Sarah because she's been abducted by aliens. So we'll see how that changes the dynamics within the group. Can't blame Katie's work schedule on that because they haven't written it yet. So <laughs> um, again, Ava is going to be front and center, I feel like, for season six. But we'll see how the relationships play out then. But anywho, that has been our roundup of the women in the DC, the DC TV universe. I guess we could add Doom Patrol, but again, you know, they don't really, none of them have, none of the women, Rita and Jane, don't really have relationship with each other on screen. So there wouldn't be much to talk about. It would be even less than some of the other shows. Um if you have, Jane ha- now has a Dorothy's book, so. <laughs> right. I think the strongest relationships are, are the underground, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have any thoughts about women um, relationships, women-women relationships on any of these DCTV shows, and you want to share with us, you can send us your feedback at ladieswgumption at gmail.com, or you can send us an ask on Tumblr ladiesofthegumption.tumblr.com next week we will review um, season one of Umbrella Academy because the following Friday is when it drops on Netflix season two so if you have not watched it and you want to get ready you can binge watch with us and recap it next week Um, or if you have watched it and you just forgot what happened you need a refresher then you can come back for that so um Yeah, we'll see you next week then. Bye. Bye. Bye.